What's up, church? You sound good. You sound good. I don't know what's going on, everybody else, everywhere else, but Littleton is crazy today. Hey, tell one neighbor you sound good. Tell the other neighbor you look good. You choose. <laughs> I just caused chaos in here. If you're both available, say you look real good. Welcome to Red Rocks Church. We got any first time visitors at any of our locations today? Put your hands up. Uh, what's up? We're so glad you're here. So glad you're here today. On the front row first time. Come on. Hey, no matter what campus you're at or if you're watching in a gym, in a car, on a hike, wherever, we want you to know we're so glad that you're joining us today. Um, we're, we're, we're nothing special. We're, we're broken people like you are. We're all broken. We're just kind of broken differently, aren't we? All of us. And, and so we're, we don't have all the answers. We won't pretend to. We're not perfect. We won't pretend to be. It takes way too much energy, right? Um, we're, we're imperfect people, but we love to get together on the weekends as one church family in different locations and pursue a perfect God and worship a perfect God and let a perfect God speak into our life and change us. And so we believe that God has you here for a reason. So no matter where you come from, no matter what you've been through, no matter what's going on to every single one of you visitors, I want you to know this from the bottom of our hearts. We say this to you. Welcome home. We're glad you're here. Welcome to Red Rocks Church. All right. So before I get started today, uh, we're going to take care of a couple family business items. The first one is this. If you don't have it on your calendar already, please put it on your calendar. The Red Weekend, September 21, 22, and 23. Uh, at every location, can we make some noise for the Red Weekend coming up in three weeks? Now, a bunch of you are like, I'm clapping, but I don't know what I'm clapping for. What exactly is this Red Weekend? We've never done this before. We are going to take an entire weekend as a church family and just go for God and see what happens. And so here's what I'm asking. If this is your church family, I'm asking you set these days aside. If at all possible, just clear the calendar for one weekend and let's just go for it. We've rented out Magnus Arena at Denver University. It seats about 7,500 people, and we plan on partying Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Now, okay, now listen, it's not like one of our Easter outreaches or Christmas outreaches where you just pick a day because all the services are the same. For this one, you actually go to all of them. So Friday night, we have got, and, and, and it's free, all right? Friday, that's the best part, Friday night, we have got one of the, I think, one of the best in the world when it comes to a guy who breaks down the Bible and speaks into the life of the church today. I think he's one of, if not the best in the world. Google him yourself. His name is Erwin McManus. Put that slide up. He'll be with us speaking into the life of our church on Friday night. Saturday night, we're going to record our second ever Red Rocks Church live worship album. Now... The first one we recorded at the Paramount, it seats about 2,000 people, right? It sold out in under 60 seconds, okay? And you had to pay to go. 
So this year we looked back at that and we went, that's cute. <laughs> this time we're going to blow the roof off of a place. This is where we're doing the worship venue. Look at that. That's what it's going to look like Saturday night at Magnus Arena. That is Magnus Arena. And we are going to worship till that roof pops off that place, okay? So sign up. Listen, here's why you got to register. It's free, but you got to register. Already over 4,500 people have signed up for just that night. It's going to be crazy. So register so that we know you're coming so you get a spot and we can plan for you to be there. Okay, so Friday night is Irwin. Saturday night is our live recording. And Sunday, we're going to do church together. And this is what's cool. This will be the first time in years that a bunch of us in the Denver-based locations around town are going to get together and do church together under one roof. That's going to be crazy. Now... It's a perfect time to invite somebody. I'm telling you already, we're going to present the gospel. And I mean, if, you, if there's someone in your life that you've been wanting to invite to church, there's no cooler place than that to invite someone to their first church service, all right? They won't know we're not that cool every week. So bring them with you. We're going to present the gospel. But I promise you, here's what we're going to do as a church family. We're going to say, God, speak into our lives and shoot us out of this place with a laser focus on lost people to go make heaven more crowded, not just talk about it, but actually be about it as a church family. And I believe we're all going to look back at this one weekend for the next year and go, that's where God did some stuff in my life. That's where this got started. So I'm asking you, church, clear your calendar. September 21, 22, 23, and please, it's free, but we need you to register. Register today if you haven't. Deal? Deal. Deal. All right. Hey, is my wife here? Oh, come on out. Can you guys make some noise for the Mrs. Jill Johnson? Oh, you look good. Brought your cell phone in case you need to make some calls, I see. Hey. My wife said to me this week, she said, hey, Sean, I want to say something to the church. And, and she, she looks innocent, but she's brutal. And so when she says jump, I say how high. No, I'm just kidding. You look so good. <laughs> she asked if she could say something to you guys. And I said, absolutely. So, babe. Hi, Red Rocks. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a little out of breath because I was just at our nine-year-old's football game, which they won like 45 to zero. So... It was awesome, but I ran, I not ran from the game, but I ran from the parking lot because I just pulled in, but um, I asked Sean if I could come up here alongside him just to say a, a personal, very heartfelt thank you to every single one of you inside these walls and outside for the last few weeks. We, as some of you know, we faced something we've never faced before um, with our son, being really sick and in the hospital for a while. And Sean will go into the details on that story at a later time, not today, but another day. And honestly, church, you, you showed up. I found myself at a, at a loss as to how to pray. I couldn't, I couldn't think. It was as if my mind was just in a fog the whole time. I would open my Bible and literally just stare at the pages because I didn't know where to go or what to do. And... You, church, I mean, I've never seen anything like it, I feel like, in our lives in terms of how much we felt loved by you, how cared for we felt by you, sincerely, genuinely, the, the, the way you just loved us. I actually, I read the quotes, this quote, he told me I had two minutes. Okay. 
Okay. Um, I read this quote. I'm going to say it fast, and then I'll, I'll, I'll be done. But um, Shelly Giglio, her and her husband are pastors of Passion, Passion City Church. And I, she wrote this. She said, God often delivers his people by using his people. He will supply the power if we are simply available and obedient. And I feel like I can honestly say that was all of you. Because we were at a place where we were just afraid and, and, and worried and didn't know what was going to happen. And you showed up, you prayed, you posted, you sent, you posted so that literally around the world, people were praying again. I've never seen anything like it. And I'm so grateful. And, and, and I mean, from the cards, every card that was sent, every flower bouquet that was sent, some of you to the gentleman in Arvada who came and brought us Dairy Queen. I mean, yeah, yes. And the meals, I, I wish I wish I could handwrite a thank you to every single one of you to tell you how genuinely and sincerely humbled um, we are by your kindness, your love, your support. So thank you. Men at the God Behind Bars campus, you undid all of us. They sent cards with message upon message upon message of faith. And we're here for you. We're praying for you. We love you. You guys. Way to go. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So we love you. We love you. you you're, you're, you're amazing people. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart. And God's going to use you. He used you in our lives. He's going to use you outside these walls day after day after day. So let's go tell people Jesus loves them, right? right? Hold on. Hold on. Will you pray for us? Oh, sure. Okay. God, I thank you. I thank you that we can come together as a family and that we can um, be, be here with each other through the highs and the lows in life. And Lord, I do not, um, I know that there are people in this room and outside these walls who they have not yet experienced the answer to the prayer they've been praying. And I, 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 I don't take that lightly, but God, I pray that every single person inside these walls and outside would know that you see them. I pray that they would know that you, you care. They are valuable. They are known, God. And I pray, God, that they would sense your heart for them as they go through the, the valleys in this life. I pray that they would know that you are bigger than what they're facing and that you care. And for whatever reason, we don't have answers all the time, but God, we can trust that you're good and you're faithful and you're kind and you're for us always. And so I pray that this body of believers would just be lifted up and encouraged by you personally, God. And I pray that um, you would just speak through Sean and that you, you would minister and, and you, that your word would go out and that you would just um, do a new thing and a big thing in all of our hearts and in our lives. And I pray that we would leave knowing how incredibly loved by you we are. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we're in a series called Fearless, if you're visiting. If this is your church, you're like, we know it's week 19. <laughs> this series has 
has hit home, hasn't it, with a lot of us. And so um, we're continuing it. In fact, I'm really excited about what we're talking about today. A couple verses that have been key throughout this series. The first one is 2 Timothy 1.7. says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. And, and we started talking about, see, see we crave Fearless. We like talking about a subject like this. We like hearing about a subject like this because the truth is, at our core, it's who we know we're supposed to be. We crave to live this way. We weren't created to be fearful. We were created to be fearless. We weren't given a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. And Joshua 1.9 says, For have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. We resonate with this stuff because it's who we were created to be. And I was reading these verses this week, getting ready for today. And you know what occurred to me? These verses, you know what they are? You know, they're the opposite of anxiety. That's what these verses are. They're the opposite of fear and worry, right? Be strong and courageous. That's the opposite of fear and worry. Do not be afraid. That's the opposite of anxiety. Do not be discouraged. That's the opposite of depression. Yet one of the number one things I talk to people in our church family about when we get together and they say, here's what I need help with, it's fear and worry and depression and anxiety. One of the number one things that people say or some of the number one things that people say, will you pray for me about in our church family is fear and worry and depression and anxiety. And I'm pretty open with you guys about a lot of my flaws and, and those are some things that I deal with, and I've been pretty open about sharing that with you guys. And, and the truth is, when it comes to being afraid and worried, I am more than I'd like to be. When it comes to dealing with depression, I have more than I'd like to admit. When it comes to experiencing anxiety and anxiety attacks, it has happened in my life more times than I'd like to admit. And I bet some of you would feel the same way. And the truth is, I'm kind of getting sick of it. And so, as opposed to us just continually allowing anxiety to attack us, I decided, since we're in a series called Fearless, what if we decided to take a stand, start to stand on the Scriptures and claim the Scriptures that God has given us and the promises over our lives, put our foot down, and decide we're going to actually attack anxiety in Jesus' name. So that's what we're going to do for the next two weeks. This is part one of a two-part talk called Attacking Anxiety. If you have somebody who deals with this stuff, make sure you pass this on to them and bring them with you next week. For me, anxiety is a real issue, has been for a lot of years. One of the things, one of the triggers for me is when I feel stuck, whether it's physical or mental or emotional or like a situation in life when I feel stuck or trapped and then you know how it works and a bunch of you would go I know that feeling because I don't know if it'll ever end and what if it never does end and then how's this going to turn out and all of a sudden anxiety's running me over and I bet a bunch of you know what that feels like that beautiful woman godly woman who just stood up here and prayed said something this week and made me feel anxious I said to her this week, I said, babe, I said, can you believe this December we're going to have been married 20 years? Is that crazy? We got married when we were seven. (laughs) God has been so good to you. (laughs) You know I kid. 
God has been so good to me. And I said, babe, what do you want to do? I want to do something romantic. She said, let's take the kids to Disney World. I said, I'm sorry, I think you misunderstood the question. Because I was thinking romance, and our kids are not that. And Disney World is not that, okay? And that's what she wants to do. And, and I, I'm not even kidding. The thought of it started to give me anxiety. Because three years ago, this is the last time I rode a roller coaster. Three years ago, I was in a theme park. I like to call them suburbs of hell. With all the lines and all the chaos and all the parking and all the problems and all the heat and all the humidity and all the everything. And I'm with my, my at that time, six-year-old son, Ashton, and we're on, I think it was the teacups. Okay? Well, the teacups had a little bar that goes across your leg that hoist. That's no big deal. We're on the teacups. We ride the teacups, and then they get to the end of the ride, and all of a sudden, something malfunctions with the ride, and the little bar doesn't go up. Well, my son's small enough, he can just wiggle right out. Well, it's right on my legs, and I'm just like, I'm I'm we're on the track. I'm trying to stand up. I can't get out. My son's like, what are you doing, Dad? I'm like, don't do you. Do you right now. Don't worry about me. And I'm trying to stand up, and I can't. And all of a sudden, I realize, like, I'm, I'm stuck. And, and when you deal with anxiety, like, total irrational things go on in your head, right? And in my mind, like, in an instant, it spiraled to, what if everyone from this park, including my skinny-legged son, leaves and go goes home, and I'm the only one here in this park, and it catches on fire, and I die right here <laughs> in this teacup? Like, and before I know it, I'm starting to have, like, a, like, like a real issue, and then all of a sudden, this thing goes out, like, let's go, son. I got this. Right? And I see my wife, and I'm all wide-eyed, and she's like, what happened to you? I'm like, babe, those teacups are no joke, okay? And I explained to her what happened. Well, we got in ride for another roller coaster. We waited for like an hour in line, got right up to the thing, and it's a roller coaster where the big harness comes over you. And I, I looked at it, and I was like, I can't. And they're like, sir, could you please? And I'm like, you didn't do you too, Jeff, okay? Because I'm looking at the harness, and I took the chicken exit. I, whoever, who's, I've seen those for years and thought, who are those actually for? It's for me. That's who it was for. And I went down. My whole family rode a roller coaster without me. I went and sat on a park bench and rethought my entire life because I'm so scared of the seat that I couldn't get in it. I'm like, what is wrong with me? And all day long, I'm asking the question, and my wife's asking me the same question. And my kids are like, Dad, what's wrong? I'm like, nothing, kids. I just can't do the roller coaster thing today. Sorry. Ten hours at the theme park, my, my son, who was 10 at the time, Austin, looks at me and he goes, Dad, this is our last ride of the day. Would you ride a roller coaster with me? And I was like, oh, son, no. <laughs> Sorry, like, I won't. <laughs> My wife looks at me like, really? She goes, honey. I go, babe, it'll break. She goes, what are the odds? I'm like, fine. All right, fine. So we go to the roller coaster. We get in the roller coaster. It's called the Raptor, okay? It straps us in. These bars go, Urgh. 
down over you. They clamp them shut. They weld them shut. Like, you can't get out of this, okay? We ride the thing, and it's crazy G-forces. So this thing is now like on my chest, okay? And here we come pulling into harbor, and I'm just like, oh, thank you, Jesus. I get to take this off. Thank you, Jesus, because I'm having trouble breathing. Thank you, Jesus, that we're done. And right as we get to the area where you get to take off the thing, you already know what happens. The whole roller coaster powers down. And I'm just like, I looked at my wife, what are the odds? And I'm not kidding, it's so tight on my chest, and I'm just like, <laughs> and my son's like, you okay? And I'm like, no, no, and I start praying. I'm just, dude, full-on panic attack starts to happen. I'm like, oh, Jesus, thank you. Jesus, greater is he who is within me than he that is in the world. And I'm more than a conqueror with me. And this is possible. But God, all, all things are possible. And like 10 seconds goes by, and I'm still stuck. And my prayer totally changed. I was like, take me now, Father. We had a good run. Take me now. This girl comes over. I kid you not, you can't make this stuff up. Of stuff up. She couldn't be more than 16. She's like, hi, everybody, listen. She's all handsy. She's like, hey, I, I, we don't know how long you're going to be stuck here, so thank you for your patience. I thought my heart was going to physically go out. Like my head, I'm losing my mind. I'm like, Janet, Janet, come here. I'm like, Janet, you got you to gotta get me out. I full-on panic. You got you to gotta get me out. I'm, I'm going to die. Apparently, if you tell any worker at this theme park you're going to die, it sets off some sort of alarm within their inner workings and their system because next thing I know, like four guys come over to my car. They put a, a ladder up to my chair. They climb the ladder, and with a crowbar, they start getting me out of this thing. I'm not even kidding. My wife's laughing. My children are embarrassed. <laughs> Everyone on the roller coaster is talking. I'm like, I don't care. I'll fight you all. They crowbar me out. I'm walking out. I'm so embarrassed. I'm like, I have to get out of here. And they're, Excuse me, sir. <laughs> Before you can re-enter the theme park, we're going to need you to fill out some paperwork for your episode. <laughs> so you can see why the talk of theme parks brings my anxiety level up. You know what I'm saying? When we feel stuck, isn't it true? Now, for most of us, it's not a roller coaster, it's life, but we feel stuck, and all of a sudden we think, I don't know when this is going to end, and I don't know if it's going to end, and I don't know what's going to happen, and I don't know how this is going to play out, and all of a sudden, anxiety goes to a whole new level, doesn't it? And, and Joshua, the very guy that we're looking at throughout this story, as he's about to take the nation of Israel across the Jordan River and into the promised land that God has in store for him, he would go through something that I think would put them, their, their whole group through so much anxiety, I can't hardly fathom it. See, God had told them, and the Lord said to Joshua, today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel. So they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. That's what Ryan talked about last week. Next slide. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan waters, go and stand in the river. I think almost every single time God calls you to go Take a step of faith. Take a step of obedience. We talked about that week one. Stop doing something. Start doing something. Trust me in this issue. Every time he calls us to go, I believe he also requires us to stand. Go and stand. 
And the story that we're about to look at today, what you're going to see is it was the going, it was the step of obedience that put God's miraculous provision in motion. It was the standing that allowed them to actually see it. The going put God's miraculous provision in motion. The standing actually allowed them to see it, to experience it. So God says, I'll be with you. Be strong. Be courageous. Don't be afraid. It's the opposite of anxiety. It's the opposite of worry. And then he says, go stand in a river. And not just go stand in a river. Go stand in a flood. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during the harvest. So I started reading this this week going, okay, wait a second. God told them, you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to get discouraged. You don't have to have anxiety. You don't have to be uh, de depressed. You, don't you can have peace. You can have joy. You can stand in faith. You can have confidence. And then he tells them, go stand in the middle of a flood. And this isn't like a up to your knees flood. This is like a, this is an impossible thing. We talked about this a few weeks ago. The nation can't go through this. This is a, I'm standing in the middle of a flood and I'm looking around hoping my kids are okay. This is crazy. And it, it, what hit me, what occurred to me this week is these two commands, they're not mutually exclusive. It wasn't like, hey, on Monday, I want you to be at peace and be courageous and be confident. And then on Tuesday, I'm gonna have you go stand in a flood where you don't know what's going on and you don't know if it'll ever end and you don't know how it's gonna turn out. No, they were supposed to do those two things at the same time. And it started to occur to me, wait a second, God's plan for us isn't just to get us through floods, get us through uncertainty. It's that right smack dab in the middle of it, while you're standing in the flood, while the waters are rising, while you're uncertain, while you have no clue how it's going to turn out, while you don't have the answers that you're looking for, while you don't know if, if this person's going to be healed or not, while you don't know how the relationship's going to work out, while you don't have any idea how financially it's possible that we can actually stand in the middle of that stuff and be strong and courageous and at peace at the exact same time. Time. That's what he's teaching Joshua. They're not mutually exclusive. And that started to mess with me because I'm like, no, 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 that's not how it works for us. When things are good, we're at peace. When we feel stuck, we get anxious. That's how it works, if we're honest. It's when I'm stuck, when the thing breaks down, when things don't make sense, that's when anxiety starts to run some of us over, isn't it? And these guys were dealing with all sorts of uncertainty. Now, let me ask you this. How many of you have been reading through the book of Joshua throughout this series? Good, good. That was the goal. Keep doing that as we go through. We're finishing up this series here in the next couple weeks. Keep doing that. Keep reading through the book of Joshua and just allowing God to speak fearlessness into your life. Stepping into the flood was going to bring about so much uncertainty for them. And, and if you read it too fast, you almost miss it. Watch this, Joshua 3, 15 and 16. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. We just read that. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity 
of Zarethan. While, we're going to come back to that word, while the water flowing down to the Sea of the Arabah, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. Now, if you read this too fast, especially you church people, you will get the wrong mental picture of what is happening here. Because, see, one of the most famous stories in the entire Bible is this group of people 40 years earlier crossing the Red Sea, isn't it? When God miraculously parted the Red Sea, and we know how that went down, those of us who have been in church for a while, here comes the Egyptians, and oh no, we're dead, and then God goes, no, I got you, and he miraculously parts the Red Sea, and they walk across on dry ground. And if you read this too fast, you'll start to get the same mental picture. Oh, that's, must, that's, that's what happened here too, 40 years later. They stepped up to the Jordan. God parted the Jordan River. They walked into the promised land. That's how we picture it if we go too quick. That's not what happened. Let's reread part of that. Would you guys put some of that back up? The water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam. God didn't part the water right in front of them. He miraculously dammed the water a great distance away. Theologians believe that this city called Adam was about 30 miles upstream. So, so the nation of Israel, they're over here. God said he's with me. He said I don't have to be afraid, but he also told me to stand in a flood. And I'm standing in the water. I'm standing in the flood. And see, they know the story too. Because they either saw it or their parents told them about it four times a week at dinner for the last 40 years, right? Because think about this. When you, when you stand and you see the sea turn into two huge walls of water and you walk miraculously through it and then you get stuck in a desert for 40 years, you know what you talk about daily? Walking through the Red Sea, Right? So everybody, they either saw it or they have heard their parents tell them about the Red Sea story so many times they can quote it. So they also already know what's going to happen. Joshua said to cross the Jordan River, God's going to take us into the promised land. So we're going to step out into the water. God's going to part the water. We're going to walk through. They already knew how it's going to play out, but it didn't play out that way. They stepped into the water and they started to experience a flood. Oh, God did a miracle right then but they couldn't see it because it was 30 miles upstream. And so think about this. The water is dammed over here 30 miles upstream, but the water still has to go like this for 30 miles before they would see the miracle. So see, when they went, it was the going that put God's miraculous provision in motion. It was the standing in the middle of the flood for probably hours and hours that allowed him to see it. So think about this, hour one, God promised me he'd be with me. God said, I don't have to worry. God said, don't be scared. God said, he's got me. God said, I can be strong and courageous. He told me to step in the flood. Why is he not doing anything? Hour two, God told me to be strong. God told me to be courageous. God told me to take this step of obedience. I'm standing in a flood. Why is God not doing anything? Come on, have you ever felt like I did my part, God hasn't done his? You ever felt that way? 
You ever taken a step of obedience? God, you told me to be generous, and I gave. I haven't seen any financial blessing. Come on, single people. God, you told me to hold out. You told me to hold out for a godly man, for a godly woman. The weekends are still lonely. You told me to stay at this job and I still haven't got the promotion. I mean, come on, have you ever felt like I did my part but God isn't doing his? That's how they would feel. And they would have to stand in faith for hours while the miracle was on its way to them. And I, I read that this week and went, oh, we know how this feels because it's while we're standing that the anxiety seems to take over, isn't it? While we're waiting on God to show us what's next, that's where anxiety runs me over. While I don't understand what the plan is and while I don't know how it's all going to turn out, that's when anxiety runs me over. And I don't know about you, but if you deal with anxiety or depression, for some reason, those two things seem to sort of wipe away all the things that I know are true. They cause me to forget the things that I know are true about my God. So to begin today, to begin attacking anxiety, I want to quickly challenge you to remember three things. And then we're going to get into what we actually do next week. But the first thing is today I want to challenge you to remember three things. I want to challenge you to remember, number one, God is with you. I know anxiety and I know depression and I know what happens up here. And one of the things that we all deal with when we deal with anxiety or depression is this. And if you don't, but you love someone who does, maybe this will help you understand them a little bit better. We can be surrounded by people who say, I love you and I care and how can I help? But yet at the same time in here, we're like, nobody really knows. Nobody really gets me. Nobody really understands. And I'm alone here. That's how we feel. I'm alone. And for some of you, this is the very reason why the creator of the universe has you tuned into this service right now because he wants to tell you, no, you're not. Don't you listen to your own lies. Don't you listen to Satan's lies. You are not alone. He says, I am with you. In the middle of the flood, in the middle of depression, in the middle of anxiety, you can stand up and go, no, I'll be strong and courageous today. I don't know how it's going to play out, but I know this. I'm not alone because he promised he'll be with me wherever I go. You're not alone. He's with you. He's working. Church, when we start feeling depressed and when we start feeling anxious and when we start being overrun by worry and, and all this fear of what's going to happen next, we forget things we already know. He says, I'm working. I promise you I'm working. You can't see it. Would you guys put up that verse in, in Romans? Uh, Romans 8, 28. And we know that in what things? Yeah. That's when I'm really depressed and I can't see through it and everything's hazy and I don't think anyone gets me. And I, and I can't seem to get out of this fog that I'm in. That, that's when anxiety is overrunning me to the point where I already know up here, when this passes, I'm going to be really embarrassed. But right now, I'm so wound up and I hurt so bad, I don't even care. But when this passes, I'm going to look back to everyone who saw me get really anxious over this stuff. And I'm going to be really embarrassed. 
This is when the finances aren't working out. I don't have a clue how this is going to play out. This is when I know God's got another step for me and I have no idea how it's going to work out. It's those things that God's talking about here in all things. God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. I want you to know that you have a calling, even when you mentally get in a place that you wish you weren't. You remind yourself, the God of the universe is with me. I have a calling, and he's working in my life right now, even when I can't see it. He's with you, and he's working, and he has a plan. Jeremiah 29, 11 promises us this. He says, I have a plan. I have a plan to prosper you. I have a plan for a hope and a future, not to harm you. I have a plan. And I think if we could talk to Joshua, he would say, this is what you never realize when you're standing in the flood. You just forget it. You know it. You've heard it. But you need to be reminded sometimes on a minute by minute basis. I don't understand what God's doing right now. And I feel overwhelmed. And I feel like the water is rising. And I don't know if it's ever going to end. And I don't know what's going to happen this time tomorrow. But here's what you need to be reminded. I think Joshua would tell you this. My God had a plan the entire time. We just couldn't see it. It was the go that put the miracle in motion, but it was our willingness to stand in the middle of it that allowed us to experience it. He's with you. He's working, and he has a plan. Band, you can come up. Now, truth be told, I'm working on this message for today, and, and I had sort of deduced what I was learning from the story to those three things, and I'm like, I don't even want to say those three things because if you've been a part of this series, we've said them. And I started thinking about a bunch of my messages just this year, even in the Live Free stuff. And it's like, I feel like God keeps showing me the same thing over and over in different parts of the Bible. He keeps showing me, I'm with you and I got a plan and I'm working. And so I felt like I had this like conversation with God this week. And uh, don't get freaked out. It wasn't audible. <laughs> I don't need that in my life. <laughs> I will pull a car right off the side of the road the day that happens. I felt like I was, I was in the word and I was saying, God speak to me and I was trying to talk with him and listen, he created communication. He's the best at it. When we want it, he wants it all the time. And I felt like me and God were communicating and I, and I was like, God, I don't understand like these three points. I keep coming up with these all the time and a bunch of my messages, it keeps being on my mind. And I felt like God said back to me because you don't get it yet. And I was like, no, 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 I get it. You're, you're with me and you're working and you got a plan. I get it. I can quote the verses. I get it. And so when I go through, like, this summer, it's been a tough summer. And then the stuff that just happened with our son, which, by the way, he's home and he's healthy and he's healed. And I can't wait to tell you that whole miracle story later. I will. But we've had a tough summer. And so I tell myself, I'm going to stand on the truth. He's with me and he's working and he has a plan. So he's going to get me through this and I'm going to be okay. And he's like, see, you don't get it. I'm like, no, no, I get it. Like you're with me and you're working and you have a plan and I know what I'm going through is really tough, but you're going to get me through it and then I'm going to be okay. And you know what he said to me? I felt like he just dropped this thought in my mind. He's like, no, you know why you don't get it? Here's why you don't get it. You don't have to wait to be okay. You don't have to wait till I bring you through this to be okay. You can stand in the middle of it and be okay. See, you're standing on the right promises, but you're expecting the wrong result. Because here's the way I live. Wow, man, this situation, like, 
this is so tough and, and mentally I'm getting wound up and, and my emotions aren't where, I, where I'm like proud to admit and, and I feel like depression might be coming on or I feel like I'm getting real anxious and, and I feel like I can't breathe some, sometimes and you know, you get all that stuff and, th- and then I go, okay, God, I know you're with me and I know you're working and I know I'm called and I know you have a plan. So I know you'll get me through this and when you get me through this, I'll be at peace. And God's like, no, 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 no. You don't have to wait. That's what I'm trying to get you to understand. If you only have peace after I give you a victory, you're not going to have a whole lot of peace in your life because every time you get a victory, you step into another battle. If the only time you have peace is right after a victory, you're going to live most of your life with depression and anxiety and worry and fear. You've got to learn to stand in the middle of the flood and stand on my promise for that moment, not the victory down the line. Stand on my promise now while the waters are rising and while you don't have the answers and while things don't make sense and understand that those promises are true for you now because right now in the middle of it, you can be strong and courageous and you don't have to be afraid and you don't have to get discouraged. You don't have to wait. And I started thinking about like, maybe that's why he took Joshua through this stuff. Because those of you who have been reading it, like I asked, you know that after the nation of Israel crosses the Jordan River and gets into the promised land, you know what it's going to take for them to take hold of the promised land? 31 battles over years. See, God already knew. If you don't have peace until you get the victory, you got 31 seasons of anxiety you're about to walk through. See, see, here's how we live. Things are really hard right now and things are really difficult right now and I don't have any answers and, and so I'm depressed and I'm anxious and then all of a sudden God gives us some answers and we walk through this like little doorway and it's like, whew, peace. And we step into another challenge because that's what life is, right? And then we have this whole new, new season of now I'm gonna just be fear, fearful and now I'm gonna be worried and now I'm gonna have anxiety and now I'm gonna have depression. And and I'm just going to live with it. And then eventually God brings you through that season and you stand in this little skinny doorway for just a second and you go, peace. And then you step into another challenge. That's That's why I believe God was trying to show me this week. No, you're standing on the right promises. You're just expecting the wrong results. I don't want to bring you through it. And so you can have peace for a moment. I want you to learn to live with me because life is full of challenges. Life is full of ups and downs. We're always going to be fighting battles, but we can actually stand in the middle of the flood and be strong and courageous. And instead of just taking the anxiety and going, okay, I'll just suffer now, but he'll set me free then, we can begin to stand on these promises in the middle of the unknown and go, I'm not just going to take it. I'm going to start to attack it in Jesus' name. We don't have to wait. (laughs) Because I'm so serious about this, I'm going to do something that I I don't know that I've ever done before quite like this, but I just don't want to play any more games. At every single location, if you struggle with anxiety or someone you love and you're going to stand up for them, struggles with anxiety, would you stand up right now? And we're going to pray and we're going to believe. We're going to believe for some freedom. It is time for freedom. Look around, church. There's hardly anybody sitting. We can't just let Satan win without at some point putting our foot down, standing on the word and saying, no, I'm going to attack anxiety in Jesus' name. For me and for someone I love.
If you haven't stood up, would you stand up now and let's pray together. God, I believe you have better for us that our best days are ahead. Not, not battle free, not trouble free, but our best days are ahead. And so God, I just wanna pray right now as we stand for ourselves and we stand for people that we love. I wanna pray right now that Satan, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. You have no authority and no place in our lives. We were not given a spirit of fear. We were given a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. And we claim it right now in Jesus' name. I pray against anxiety. I pray against depression. I pray against fear. I pray against worry. And I pray for victory right now in Jesus' name. And God, I pray for those of us who are going through some stuff right now, who feel like we're in the middle of a flood and we're standing in it and the water's rising and it feels like it's gonna last forever and we don't know if it's gonna end and we don't know what's gonna happen next. And I pray right now for peace in Jesus' name. I pray for joy in Jesus' name. We don't have to wait till the waters subside. We can be strong and courageous and stand tall and confident right now. I thank you for the victory. God, give us the ability, some of us, just to stand in faith and wait while you work in our lives. We love you. We praise you. It's our honor to worship you with music now. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Church, let's worship.